I can now confidently say that we are closer to seeing sports be played in America other than golf than we are to the last game of sports that has been played. Wannabes, episode seven, up and running, Gaines, Trent, Nick Alfano here to talk about the possible return of sports, what we see out of the returns in baseball and basketball, why we think the basketball bubble is a total joke and hilarious, why baseball is so messed up, and of course, most importantly, free Reggie Bush. Episode 7 of The Wannabes is sponsored by Tie-Dye Visions. Nick, I don't know about you, but I've noticed during quarantine and thing going on, there's been a lot of trends going on. You know, people have been Zooming with their friends, doing home workouts, maybe reading more, cooking more. But the one trend, Nick, that I've seen, I never even heard of, and I haven't seen a lot of it, is people starting to tie-dye their clothes. So that's our sponsor of Episode 7. I'm sure we've all wanted to get on the tie-dye trend train, but... A lot of us have been having a hard time finding good quality cotton clothes that are have durable dyes that don't fade after one wash. The answer to those problems is to get your program set up with tie-dye visions. They sell high-quality sweat outfits with custom dye kits that allow you to easily do it yourself. Don't miss your chance to buy a set because they sell out fast. And Nick, I don't know about you, but I heard that they're selling pre-dyed bucket hats that will get here in time for the 4th of July so maybe you don't want to do it yourself. They'll do it for you. Go and get that bucket hat pre-dyed, and you will be showing out at your 4th of July banger that you will be attending. Check them out on Instagram at tie-dye visions. It's at tie.dye.visions. <laughs> and fun fact, I know the owners, they're looking for an intern. So anyone looking for something to do this summer and can't get work, slide into those DMs because, you know, they're hiring. We're just, right. adding, we're, we're just adding jobs to the job market here at the Wannabes. It also sounds like if you partner up with Tie-Dye Visions and buy something, you'll be so ready for Coachella 2021 that oh my. you won't even need to buy anything come next spring. Oh, it's going to be stupid. Yeah, like why wait until 2021 to buy your outfits? Let's get them today and be the best looking one uh, in the desert come 2021. New Tie-Dye outfits today. Fantastic. Absolutely. Well, all right, Nick, Trent. It is episode seven of the Wannabes, and boys, we got sports on line one. Hit it! Here's the pitch to Lofton. Fly ball, center field. Erskine says he's got it. Erskine makes the catch! The Anaheim Angels are the champions of baseball! Toss to White. He's in! Patriots win the Super Bowl! Brady has his fifth! San Diego Chargers announced this morning that after 56 years in San Diego, the team is moving to Los Angeles. All right, Gaines, before we get into the mess that is Major League Baseball and the weird bubble situation that the NBA has unfolding before our eyes this week, there's something that happened, I forget if it was last week, I forget if it was two weeks ago, but we will not let it go unnoticed to the wannabes listeners, and that is Reggie Bush and USC Athletics back together again. It feels awesome to say that. I grew up watching him. We could post a picture on the wannabes podcast of me wearing a USC hat in Palm Springs, California at age six. I've always loved Reggie, even though I'm from Connecticut. Nobody can tell me otherwise. Huge Reggie fan. I'm so freaking pumped. 
I Nick, this was one of the best days that I can remember from a sports standpoint for me in so long. I like you. I mean, this is no secret to, I assume, most people who know me. I grew up as big of a USC fan as possible with both my parents having gone there. And my first memory as a sports fan were watching Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner, Lindo White lead USC to the longest winning streak, I think of all time still, maybe. And Reggie Bush was the, he was the guy. He was electric. He was bigger than life in LA. He was the biggest thing in LA as a college student. And when everything went down and he got in trouble for taking uh, money or his parents accepting a house mm-hmm. and basically being just kicked out of USC, like the circle, that was awful. Awful to see as someone who grew up loving him so much. He deserves so much better. And I'm so happy that he's back now. And it looks like the relationship's been mended. Shout out to Mike Bone. I think he's doing a great job. He reached out to Reggie and made this happen. And I, I am excited for the uh, future of USC football with uh, Reggie back in the fold. Yeah, for those that don't know, the NCAA essentially implemented a 10-year ban, meaning that Reggie couldn't be associated Bull with the university shit. and the athletic department. So one of the best players in the university's history, in college football history, was not really allowed to be associated with the university. He did call a game from the Coliseum last year for Fox Sports, but other than that, he hasn't been in the Coliseum, on the campus. Trojan alums, we're so happy to have him back. It's awesome. First things first, Gange, we have to retire number five in the Coliseum. Oh, my gosh. The fact is, so for people who don't know, USC, we've had six or I think seven Heisman Trophy winners. Don't quote me on that. Seven, I think, including Reggie. Including Reggie. So to get your number retired at USC, you win the Heisman. If you win the Heisman, then your number is massively displayed in the Coliseum. We have freaking OJ Simpson's number is still up there every single day, and Reggie's isn't. Like, Ogerson, I know yeah, he was innocent, whatever. He allegedly killed two people. And then Reggie, like his parents took a house. And also, even to keep going, Nick, the NCAA, it, it's, everything was proved so much they were out to get USC. And like, yes, I'm a little biased with this. But the fact that USC essentially got a death penalty that the program still has not fully recovered from for this when every school was doing it. And everyone knows that. And then you have Penn State get basically nothing. Ohio State with what they did, they got nothing. And to go on and on and on. It's just so pathetic to me that it took this long when it's so obvious that every school was doing this in some way. And then now it's about to be legal that players can profit off their likeness. So, uh, I mean, I've been mad about this for years. I hate what the NCAA did to USC. But, you know, I'm just excited that Reggie's back. And he seems like he wants to be involved and speak, already speaking to the players and helping the recruiting efforts, too. And like I've said before, I'm very excited for the future of, of our, our beloved school's program. Yeah, I, I can't confirm or deny the difference between USC's penalty and that of Penn State, Ohio State, and so on and so on. I haven't read into it. Um, but what I will say, which pisses you off and you just mentioned it and it obviously angers all of us Trojans is that not only was that a common thing to do back in 07 or back whenever it happened and then Reggie was the one that got the short end of the stick for it but also getting paid for your likeness is now becoming legal throughout the entire NCAA Mm -hmm. and in certain state legislations come 2021 so you know 13 years later, what he did is now legal. And this disassociation of 10 years, having to give his Heisman back, all of that is now, you know, should have been null and void if he were playing now. So that's that's all ridiculous. The yeah. second thing, and I just mentioned it, along with retiring number five in the Coliseum, the Heisman. Now, technically, I believe if I read it right, he gave it back. However, that was, I think, because 
he just didn't want to deal with the Mm -hmm. conversation surrounding it. And I think he probably at that age felt really bad about it, even though he was already in the NFL. He was still a young kid. The Heisman Trust, this is my plea to whoever listens this, listens to this, should give him the Heisman Trophy back. He is such a stellar individual, a stellar athlete. It seems as though he's never really wronged anybody in his life. It's just that this situation happened where his parents received a payment and Quite frankly, it seems as though they may have needed the payment to get housing, though I don't know the ins and outs of that. But such an innocent little deal on the side, which nullified his entire collegiate football career, nonsense. Give the guy the Heisman back. Yeah, it's pathetic. And I, I've never liked that. So they stripped USC of a bunch of wins, stripped us yep. of a championship, stripped yep. Reggie of that Heisman. And it's like, they, those games happened. I watched those games. Reggie won the Heisman on the field. He wasn't taking performance-enhancing drugs. We weren't – USC football wasn't, sh- like, stealing film from opposing wasn't, teams. It wasn't like Spygate. This is no Spygate. It wasn't Spygate. It wasn't Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, and steroids, like in baseball. It was strictly – and it's not like, oh, a lot of people say, oh, you broke the NCAA rules to collect, like, be rich, and that's a problem. His parents needed a roof over their heads, and he was given a situation where that could happen. It's not like he was getting like a Ferrari to just go drive around campus and or getting like Rolex watches or anything of that nature. He did which we know, parents. which we know happens, by the way. Yes, we see it. Everyone right. knows it yeah. happens, and you're telling me it's not happening in the SEC and out there where the football is everything. College football is everything to those places. Zion so, at Duke with that new lawsuit, yeah. although they threw it out, but still. Yeah, it's like like Louisville basketball. They got their title stripped because of like with recruiting. I know there's things with strip clubs, prostitutes. I mean, that's a different story, but yeah. they didn't cheat on the court. They won the games. Why you take away their title? Reggie Bush won the Heisman. Give him back the damn trophy. Like it's what, what are we doing? I don't know why that they're going to take that away when he literally his crime is something that I think every single one of us would do if we had we were in the same situation. Right. And and the disassociation just recently ended again a week or two ago. So who knows? Mm -hmm. Maybe this fall, the Heisman Trust will reinstate the trophy sometime down the line. I think the sentiment is we just just hope that happens sooner rather than later. Maybe they parlay it into his jersey retirement ceremony at the Coliseum. That would be really cool. And maybe that doesn't happen until next fall because there will be no fans in the stands for this season. So they'll want it to be a year from now so that people can enjoy it. Lord knows how the schedule actually plays out, but we're excited that the disassociation is over. Credits to the athletic department for going all over social media and welcoming him back. Really, really cool to see. And I can't wait to see his involvement with the program. And that's my question for you, Gage. ESPN ranks USC's 2021 recruiting class. So the 2020 recruiting class has already come in. 2021 is next. We are ranked number five in the country, along with some surprises in the top five. I think Tennessee's number one or two, North Carolina's number four. It's an interesting top five, but we're fifth. They have to use this Reggie Bush disassociation to then recruit all these guys, right? I mean, he has to be involved with the recruitment or with the coaching staff somehow, because otherwise, even though Helton's been doing a good job, that would be a grave disaster if they did not use him. Yeah, and I think they will. And give Reggie credit. If if I was in Reggie's shoes and USC did the disassociation from me and basically tried to erase my memory, it'd be hard to just be accepting to come right back. But Reggie has said multiple times he loves USC, he loves the program, and I do really think he'll be involved. And 
how, like you said, how could he not? So many kids in like our age range that are being recruited now grew up watching Reggie Bush, wanting to be Reggie Bush. I know I did being a Southern California fan. All these kids growing up in Southern California, California in general, the country in general, grew up wanting to be Reggie Bush. So if you have Reggie Bush giving you a call or Reggie Bush meeting you on campus or coming to your house, I don't know the rules, but right. doing that, how do you say no to him? And I think if they're smart, they're going to do it. And from everything we've seen from this new regime, they are smart with recruiting. And Mike Bone and Brandon Sosna or Sosna, I don't know how to say his name, but the guys running the show, I am love what they're doing. Credit to Clay Helton and the new staff he has too, just getting just a complete 180 from the 2020 recruiting class that was pathetic and one that should never happen at USC. But yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? What do you think, Nick, about uh, Mike Bone? I'm kind of curious what you think and what he's been doing. I mean, I, I don't think we've been able to see a lot of what the payoff has been. I think when you bring in an athletic director, you need like a season or two to see real mm-hmm. institutional change, not just in football or basketball, but across all sports. And other than football and basketball, USC is normally year in and year out, regardless of AD, always really successful in some um, less attended sports. You know, uh, beach volleyball, we've always, always been really good at. I know the women's soccer team won a national title when we were in Water school. Water polo always wins. Water lacrosse. polo, both teams. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the athletic department has a rich tradition, but football and basketball, the two money making sports really need to get back on track. And I think so far, again, not a lot of games have been played since he's been instituted, mm-hmm. but um, it looks pretty good. And I also want to say that U.S. football's new recruiting, I don't know what you say, their, their like recruiting cry. What's the word I'm looking for? Their, their uh, take back the West. Uh, yeah, their, their like hashtag. Their, their hashtag, yeah, yeah. yeah. Their, new, their new hashtag, take back the West, meaning they want to get the best recruits out of the state of California and the Western part of the United States and bring them back to USC mm-hmm. because – USC has been beaten out for all the top California prospects for the last few years now. I just looked it up because I didn't know this, but I had a feeling. Reggie is from California, born and raised in California. San Diego, baby. Right. So I think that is going to be a huge push towards take back the West as well, especially, you know, this could play offense or defense. But if you are a skilled position player from California and Reggie Bush is in your house pitching you to come to USC, you have to be... I don't want to use a derogatory term, but you have to be an idiot to say no to that. <laughs> you yeah. do. I, where's the pen and paper when Reggie comes into my room? Like, yeah, right. we're, we're the guy. The guy that was on the cover of NCAA football 07, which I'm sure all these kids played when they were growing mm-hmm. up, is in your living room pitching you to be the next of that. How do you yeah. say no? I, I don't I don't get that. But um, hopefully they don't say no. And hopefully Reggie is a part of the recruiting trail for the next number of years at USC. Really excited that this association is over and, you know, hopefully bright times ahead and hopefully he gets honored with his jersey retired and, and hopefully the Heisman comes back to uh, University Park as well. Yeah, I mean, with the exception of 2017 winning the Rose Bowl, it was a pretty weak decade for USC football and not one that we're accustomed to. So I'm excited. I think where I've been most impressed with the new athletic director um, and, the, and the assistant coaches that have been brought in is they're not just letting USC recruit itself. They're not just saying, oh, kids will come to USC because it's USC. It's like they're going out and getting these kids that were leaving from our backyard to go to Alabama and Clemson. And now we're having them stay home, stay at your hometown, win for your city, and do it all together with kids you grew up playing against but now come together. So, yeah, that's the last thing I'll say on that is that I think everything is just looking up. It's good. It's a good decade to be a Trojan. And uh, I think we're going to win the national title probably eight of the ten years this decade. 
that's my official prediction. Gage, I think all baseball fans, not just domestically, but internationally, really had a collective groan uh, when M- Rob Manfred, again, I believe it was last week, but nobody knows what day it is right now, uh, <laughs> said that uh, he didn't know whether baseball was going to be played this year. He said these negotiations between the league and the Players Association has been a total disaster. I mean, first of all, he's getting so roasted on broadcast television and online that I really just feel bad. But secondly, I'm worried about baseball actually happening. Now, just today, the Players Association declined a new offer from the league office, which was, I believe, 60-ish games, full prorated, and some other stuff. And the players said no on a 33-5 to vote, which means there, it was an overwhelming no. Like Both of these sides aren't even close, and they haven't been close the entire time, which is what worries me. It's not like we've taken this long to come to an agreement and we're this, this close. Like, no, like 90% of the players that just voted on this proposal said no. So we can't be that close. Again, I don't know the total details about it, but there has to be some still huge gap between both of these parties. I, I'm just confused about where the dissent is, though, because what are we arguing about? A few games? They got their full prorated salaries in the agreement already. I don't know about other weird stipulations about the universal DH and the expanded playoffs, but obviously the Players Association and the league are working together on safety and health protocols. So what what else am I missing here? I mean, <laughs> great question. I don't know. I mean, it was this has been such of just a clusterfuck of all epic proportions. Like they've gone back and forth for, I feel like the last month, it definitely does seem like Rob Manfred and the ownership group are just trying to delay this as much as possible to have as short of a season as possible, which is ridiculous. Like how do you not want your product to be played this year, especially in a time where you would have all the eyeballs on you. People are desperate for sports. Baseball is kind of a dying sport while basketball is going upwards. This was a great opportunity for baseball to, you know, be in the limelight, have everyone watching it. Um, people need some entertainment. And I don't know what's going on. Like what you said, they declined the 60-game schedule today, but now it's going to be like a 50-game schedule. Like, it, it does seem like there's fighting over five to ten games, and there's got to be something more to it. it honestly, it seems like they're just no one wants to lose. It's like a pride thing at this point. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah, historically, the MLB Players Association is one of the most powerful unions in the country, period. Like, you know, you always hear about the police unions, especially with news today, mm-hmm. the teachers unions, like the Major League Baseball Players Association, for those that don't know, is historically, as of the last, you know, some odd years, I forget when they brought in their own legal counsel and economists to help them out. But once they did that X amount of years ago, they're one of the most powerful unions, period, in America. Um, so really nobody wants to lose. And what I'm frustrated with as a fan personally is I see the owners rather, the the owners would rather not have short-term profit and revenue loss as opposed to building the game and getting it played now to attract more fans and camaraderie, which would be good for the long-term bottom line and morale. But it's not just the owners to me because it also seems like the players don't want to give up any concessions in terms of coming to an agreement. Like I get if I'm Mike Trout that I'm about to lose 66% or whatever it is of my yearly salary. Like that's a huge loss for him. But 
let's like let's be honest. He shouldn't be paid for games he doesn't play. And if the owners are all going to lose money, then if you're Mike Trout, I get that he gets paid millions of dollars and none of us do. So like the argument that he should be happy that he's getting paid to play baseball, I don't buy. But this argument of not having any give and take because the people that are paying your paycheck are losing money, that doesn't make sense to me either. Like I'm pissed at both sides. I'm not on the player's side or the owner's side. Like figure it out as has been posted all over social media. Figure it out. Yeah, it, it shouldn't be that hard. And I'm not really on the side of, oh, they're millionaires. Like, why are you complaining when you're still going to get paid millions right. and all that? Yeah, it's like, like you, they, they're paid. Mike Trout is paid what he is because he's the best in the world at what he does. If if I'm the best in the world at my profe- my actual profession, then I should be paid an extra amount, too. And, like, that's obviously a hope. But my my, my issue with the um, my <laughs> issue with the owners, especially, is when when the season to go does well and they make more money the players don't get extra money with that like it's not like oh we had a great year for our business so now you get a bonus because of it that's not how it works well sometimes but, that happens when they sign new contracts the next offseason yeah, that's a yeah of it. true true but now they're trying to cry poor saying they're gonna lose all this money the players are like okay if you're gonna lose money show us how you're gonna lose money let's open up the books let's see where you're losing revenue from not having fans in attendance or if there's TV deal changes, I don't know. And they won't do that. It's like, okay, that kind of just says everything it needs to be said right there. If they're not willing to show how they're losing money, but they're like, no, we're losing money, but then you won't show it. Like, okay, I'm not going to believe you if you don't like back it up. Right. And, and, and I, I also don't buy this thing where people are saying, well, you know, you buy a sports team to, to make money. Sure. In the last 10 to 20 years, the, value of sports teams has has risen astronomically i get that yeah, speak, speaking so, of that Nick, did you see the cardinals owner he said baseball is not a sport where like you make money as an ownership he bought right. the team for 150 million they're worth like two plus billion now like shut, right. shut up dude right so like, so oh I, I i i get that but that's that that makes my point like for them to cry poor when their asset has been appreciating over all mm. this time and then they're gonna have one year in the red and then they're going to say, oh, like we need to minimize everything in terms of a short term profit loss and revenue loss in the interest of losing the long term, um, you know, industry recognition or whatever. Like that's that's BS. That is total BS. I don't get that. Like if you own the company, if you own really any company in any industry, take the food industry, for example, right now, if you own a restaurant in 2020 and it's a totally successful restaurant. My guess is for the last 10 years, you've probably been in the green all 10 years. But in 2020, you're in the red because it's a shitty year for everybody financially. So you just have to deal with it. You're in the red for this year. And then hopefully 2020, your balance sheets bounce back and you make some money and you have a good year. Like every industry has its ebbs and flows. I hate that these owners don't want to admit that they can just have one bad year. Like they just want to try to cut all expenditures and all games as much as possible in the interest of saving loss of one year. You've got to be kidding me with that because their asset has appreciated so much like play baseball and stop worrying about your short term revenue and profit loss. That doesn't make any sense. Every industry goes through ebbs and flows financially. Deal with it like your previous industries, which allowed you to buy these teams. That makes no sense to me. Yeah. Owning a business, there's risk when you own your own business, right? obviously. And that's what this is. And they won't accept that. Also, 
What's key point is first off, Trevor Bauer on Twitter. If you're a baseball fan, you need to follow him. Cincinnati Reds pitcher. He's clearly pissed off with the players and the owners and just speaking his mind about it. So I recommend everyone give that a look if you're interested in, um, from a player's perspective. But one of his tweets included the CBA, so collective bargaining agreement that they are currently on, expires after the 2021 season. So if they can't even come to any kind of agreement on this, that's going to go terribly. Like we might have another strike that I know I didn't know about it really until recently, but the 94 season, the strike that happened there and how much that kind of set baseball back until the steroid era kind of gave it some excitement. But I think that actually is probably playing in like that's a reason why these negotiations might be going so poorly, because I think most both sides are actually negotiating for 2021 as well. So they know what they give up now. They're going to want in 2021 or not want yada, yada. So that's I think might be the issue there. And also, I think everyone should know. So we're recording this on uh, Monday, the 22nd, probably going to release this on Wednesday. Who knows when everyone's going to listen? They'll probably be. Like, who knows where we're going to be at by the end of this week, I think, too. Right. Like, this thing's so unpredictable. It did seem, I think I saw, Nick, that there's no more, um, like, back and forth. That now right. Manfred's just going to pick a season. Right. When it's then the players the are probably going to, and then players are not, probably not going to play. And I don't know. It's it's all messed up. And it'll be very interesting to see what happens, I think, this week. And by the time we release this, what changes, if anything. Right. The, the, the bottom line here for me is that, Look, the players want to play. They've been tweeting, you know, tell us when and where and we'll show up. As the owners, back to my point about them really trying to minimize their profit loss, if you buy a sports team, you should be a fan. Part of the vetting process of becoming an owner, whether that this already exists or not, the commissioner and the league office should vet if that owner or prospective owner is a fan. (laughs) Because if you are an owner and you are a fan and you do not want to march your players out there right now, as long as they have the proper health and safety protocols, you are awful. You are an awful human being. If you just want to save your own butt with an appreciating asset like you've had, and you just like, you just, you're withholding baseball from the entire universe. I can't, it blows my mind. I'm pissed at both sides, owners and players, but it blows my mind what the owners are doing. I can't even stand it. Bottom line gains. Do we see baseball this year, especially with what's come out, today about it now being up to Manfred to set a schedule and everything. I have a feeling we do see it purely because if we don't see baseball and it's at Manfred's desk's desk on June 22nd and we don't have baseball for the rest of the year, he will be the most hated man in America. So I have to imagine we have baseball in some capacity. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I do think we will. It seems like I've listened to other baseball podcasts that are saying that every player and agent and coach they talk to also thinks there's going to be baseball. I don't think, I just don't think anyone knows what it's going to be, when it's going to be, but it's going to be this shortened, hopefully at least 50 game season, which obviously isn't the same. And it's not really true baseball because I think what makes baseball so special and interesting of a game is how it's a long grind. It's a marathon. You have to handle your pitchers and all that. But I'm, I think a 50 game season could be exhilarating too. just a mad sprint to the finish and you'll definitely have some teams that aren't normally like a contender and wouldn't have been for 162 that go on a run for a third a third of a normal season which i think that'll be fun as well and i'm kind of hoping my my padres will be one of those teams too because i think i think this actually plays really well for us with our young pitching staff for a team like the padres it absolutely does i'm not ready to pick who i think is going to 
play well in a 50 game season as comp- compared to 162. But what I will say is I think you're going to see weird playoff teams and I think it's going to be totally different and the rosters are going to be manipulated in a totally different manner than they would be for a 162 game season. I just think it's going to be a strange sight if we see baseball this year because it's going to be played, I think, in a totally different manner. Now, switching gears here to another American sport that already has an agreement to return to play but is having its own separate set of issues is basketball, the NBA. The news about this Orlando bubble in Disney World at the wide world of sports is hilarious because (laughs) all of a sudden in the last week and a half, reports are coming out from Woj, Shams, everybody that knows anybody at the league or with a team that players don't want to be in the bubble. Like, of course they didn't want to be in a bubble. Of course they didn't want to be sequestered away from their families for three months in Orlando in the heat of summer in Florida. Like, of of course, especially at <laughs> Disney World when all these guys are adults. Like, are you, you've got to be kidding me that that's just coming out now. And Wednesday is the opt-out deadline. So if you're a player and you want to opt out for whatever reason, you're not going to be penalized, but you have that option and the deadline is Wednesday. As of this recording, already two players, Trevor Ariza from the Blazers, Davis Bertans from the Washington Wizards, have already opted out. They are players, however, from teams that are currently not in the playoffs, not in the top eight seeds. So I think that has something to do with it. They're also veteran guys probably looking for a next contract, don't want to jeopardize anything. I heard Ariza is really looking to uh, spend time with his son, you know, during all of this. So that yeah, he's in like a custody dispute or something kind right. of crazy. So like that's that. one of the reasons so, yeah. he's not playing. Um, but I just think this is all like, why is this just coming out now? Of course, these guys didn't want to play. Yeah, that's the, I think we all I thought this was I mean, I thought it was a crazy idea, but I didn't really think I think as fans, we do this a lot. We don't really consider the players humans kind of like, OK, like, yeah, we're going to play. They're going to be in this bubble, whatever. But like, we're going to get to watch them. When it's like, no, these guys have families and they have. They have kids, they have livelihoods and everything. So they don't want to be trapped in a Disney World hotel, like, away from their families for a month to two months. Like, I mean, it sounds fun. Like, yeah, there's a lot of cool little perks as part of this uh, right. little, They're going to be DJs, camp. special celebrity guests. They're going to be huge game rooms yeah. with video games. You can play golf any day of the week if you want, if you play golf, because I think only – Someone said, I heard this somewhere, that only 10% of the league plays golf. But that's an option. I'm sure yeah. there will be limited access oh, to how about the ring? You other assets. Ring to track them or whatever? Yeah, that's crazy. And the snitch hotline, so you can call and snitch on people breaking the rules. <laughs> that's one of the oh. things I, I wanted to ask you. So for those that are unaware, there's going to be a snitch hotline that you can call the NBA, the league, and say, we saw this player out of the quarantine bubble, not abiding by the social distancing guidelines and by the league rules for the bubble. You know, we're here to let you know. And apparently they will be disciplined. Who is the one player that you think would snitch on another player in the NBA? I mean, I think this is the easiest question ever. And as a a player who formerly played on, on your favorite team out there in Boston, I think this is Kyrie Irving's time to shine and just go and snitch on everybody. And you, I think he'd be one to do it. I could see good old LeBron trying to do it. Just go and call it on Giannis or something like that. But yeah, I think Kyrie and his craziness and saying how he doesn't even want to play and 
all this nonsense. He might yeah, not Kyrie even be down. Him. He might not even be down in the bubble because I believe he was told like if he's not going to play, then he might not be able to to go if the Nets don't choose oh, yeah, one of the injury, staff. Yeah. Um, uh, who, who I think, who I could picture calling people and saying this player did this, this player did that. It's a little out of left field, but think about it. Dwight Howard. For okay. two reasons. One, he has a history of being sort of, I don't, I don't want to be derogatory again, but of kind of being a media nutcase. You know what I mean? He's a very sensitive individual when it comes to media, and I feel like he will be very sensitive about players not following the rules. Secondly, he is a replaceable player on the Lakers. So it's not as if this news would come out and then something happens to Dwight where he's pulled from a game or the pressure builds on him. You know, that doesn't have a huge effect on the Lakers team chemistry. The second thing or the third thing is that he plays for one of the championship title contenders. Everybody thinks that it's the Bucks, Clippers or Lakers uh, tournament, COVID tournament to lose. So if you're on one of those three teams, I feel like you're more apt to tattletale on other players, basically. So Dwight Howard is my my number one pick for that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Like this tournament. LeBron and the Lakers and the Bucks and the Clippers and I mean, throwing the Nuggets in there, the Heat, whatever. Like those teams want to play. And you can see that. But I think it is interesting if you are one of those bubble teams. I think the, the Wizards and the Trailblazers and I think the Kings are involved. It's like, you're, yeah, realistically, you're not going to win a championship. The Suns, yeah, like they're not going to they're not going to win. I don't think they think they're going to win. So obviously, I feel like those are teams you don't want to do it. I think the Trailblazers were the one team that said voted no on this like idea. Right, not the so, players, but the ownership, I believe. Owners. But then they they were acting on social media like Damian Lillard was like thank you to our ownership or could have been CJ McCollum, I don't know, but like thank you to our ownership for listening to us and taking our advice cuz they don't they didn't like the the way it was laid out and didn't really help them too much. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I hope it happens. I'm definitely worried. I know in hockey, the Tampa Bay Lightning just had to shut down their uh, their training camp because a bunch of players tested positive. So Florida's seeing spikes and every college football team is getting together and everyone's testing positive. I mean, asymptomatic. So I don't know. It's I hope it happens. I want to be optimistic and I'll be I'll be curious to see what happens Wednesday. Cause I think so. Well, how do you say it? So Bertans is Davis. Is that how you say his name? I believe it is Davis Bertans. Yes. Davis Not Bertans. Davis. I, I, I said it as white as possible. Just <laughs> Davis Bertans. Um, but I think he's Might sitting be out Bertans. because he, I don't know. Bertans. All right, we'll go Bertans. But Davis Bertans is like <laughs> set to make a ton of money, <laughs> set to make a ton of money this off season. Right. So right. for him, he's had some injuries in his past. He's like, why would I go risk it for this? And I think, a lot of players probably have that similar mindset for that reason or for family reasons. And it takes that first person to do it. And they're like, okay, I didn't want to be the first one, but now he did it. Now I'm going to do it. And I think we might have a, I don't know, like a trickle down effect where just one by one by one. And yeah. that's my big worry with it, but hopefully it to- happens. I don't know. To- total we'll domino see. effect I, that, that I see domino happening. Effect. And I, I think, a lot of names come out tomorrow and Wednesday, so it'll be interesting to track this, for, again, from the time that we've recorded to the time that, that this is released. I think the other uh, Pandora's box that could be opened, provided that this all happens on the timeline that the NBA has set, is the tampering issues. So all through the news over the last couple of years, it's obviously been reported that 
you know, Magic Johnson uh, was fined a bunch for tampering Giannis um, or tampering with uh, on Giannis. However, however, you're supposed to state that in terms of wanting to bring Giannis to the Lakers. Um, there's been more instances. But if you have all of those guys, Gange, 22 NBA teams, all in the same location, only three separate hotels for at least what, like three weeks. And then you have uh, 16 teams together for another couple weeks. Like, I'm just doing the math here. They're all together. Like, you're going to have the biggest schemes come out of them all hanging out in Disney World. I think you're going to get some unbelievable storylines. Like, if I was a reporter that didn't have a family right now, I would be raising my hand high to get into this bubble because I can't imagine the stories that are going to come out of it. Yeah, it's going to be completely different. I think a lot of like the super teams that have like come in the last decade or so came from guys who played on Team USA together. So because when they're together, they have the time they can start talking about it. Where do you want to go? How would this all fit? And like you said, they're they're living together in a summer camp with ba- like basketball involved. Like I think LeBron's going to talk to Giannis about how much better of a market LA is than Milwaukee, and you can find so many different examples and. You couldn't really blame them, but that will be interesting, too. And like you said, being a reporter, this would be an awesome time if you're an up-and-coming reporter to go out there and get some some behind-the-scenes story or some inside scoops that, you know, we're all going to be very curious to hear. And the NBA, the NBA, is, it's, it's a reality show. This sense, it's a soap opera, total soap it's opera. soap opera, yeah. And also, if you're a yeah. young reporter, by the way, you're not missing out on any social interaction because of everything going on now. So you might as well be down there with half of the NBA and the whole league and just – Figure out what you can report on and, 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 you know, try to become a big star. I don't know. The, the other mm-hmm. thing I really want to point out about this whole thing, and this is the total dichotomy between basketball uh, and baseball, which we already talked about, is how much of a saint Adam Silver looks like compared to Rob Manfred. So for oh, those yeah. that don't know, if you're the commissioner of a league, you work for the owners. They are technically your boss, but it is your job to act in the best interest of the league's initiatives and the owners and make sure that you take care of players and hear them out and include their opinions. Adam Silver, as of right now, has been the perfect example over his tenure in terms of straddling that beautifully. I just can't believe how Rob Manfred has totally screwed that dynamic up. Like, embarrassing. To a point, absolutely embarrassing. I just can't believe that he... It feels as though he has just called players out repeatedly in terms of saying that it's their fault they haven't gotten a deal done. I don't know. What do you think? Well, Nick, um, breaking news on the Wannabes podcast right here just came to my cell phone. Oh, wow. Big news. Whoa, Whoa this so, is the first time it's happened. This is in, great. This is relevant. This is relevant because it's about baseball. All right. MLB owners vote to proceed with 2020 season under March agreement. So let, let's break this down, Nick. So the MLB owners voted unanimously to proceed with the 2020 season under the terms of their March 26th agreement with the MLBPA, Player Association. The league said in a statement Monday night after the they turned down the 60-game season. So now this vote allows the commissioner, like we said, to implement a schedule of his choosing, likely between 50 and 60 games. And yeah, it looks like they're going to be reporting July one. I think this is what we kind of saw coming with Manfred now having the power to basically do what he wants. Right. And now the owners just approved it. So that was like the last hurdle that they needed. 
Another thing that I think is ridiculous is that they're telling these guys who are with their families and have been doing X, Y, and Z that they now need to report July 1 to their cities. That's in a week. July 1. Yeah. That's what the owners are asking the MLBPA to get them to report to their cities by July 1. That's and crazy. I don't know what most teams are doing. I've heard like the San Diego Padres, they've been doing workouts in Peco Park. So some of them at least. But yeah. it'll definitely be, yeah, be curious because everyone's different. Maybe is everyone in the U.S. or are there players who are in like baseball is a very international sport. Did they right. go home home? Like, I don't know. That would be. Know. Maybe they've stayed in the States just anticipating that something would happen. But that would be a long time to stay in the States. But then again, they were in the States when it all started because they were in spring training. So I don't know if they were able to leave. Who knows? Either way, I mean, we'll go back to what you said. When it comes to Rob Manfred, I don't like Rob Manfred for many reasons. I don't think he knows how to market the game at all, refuses to use social media. And it's pretty pathetic um, compared to Adam Silver, who clearly has done a great job. But you might want to give Manfred the benefit of the doubt a little bit because, like you said, he does work for the owners. And the owners have been silent throughout this whole process for the most part. Right. So is he kind of just the, the the messenger and, like, don't blame the messenger? Mm-hmm. But you can't say that there's 100% going to be baseball. Then five days later, say there's not going to be baseball. And now apparently there is baseball. So if he's a messenger, he's a bad messenger. Right. And he's a bad messenger, especially because he went on ESPN saying, he was unsure about a season starting when in reality, once it became apparent that there were going to be no counter proposals, it was yeah. literally just up to him to implement the season. And he said he didn't know if that was going to happen. So essentially what he said on ESPN a week and a half ago or a week ago, whatever it was, was I don't know if I'm going to implement a season, which makes zero sense. Like my brain is in a pretzel even trying to think about him going on TV and saying that. I will, I will give a disclaimer. I know multiple employees at the Major League Baseball office. Ooh, this guy. Connected. I don't, ha- I don't have any inside information, but what I will say is I know people that are fantastic human beings and fantastic members of the sports industry that do a great job with Major League Baseball. So I hate to call out Manfred and the work he's done because it's obviously all built up by the people that you don't see as much on TV. But the public perception he has given off about what has happened recently has been, I don't want to use the word pathetic because I like Major League Baseball, MLB, please hire me, but, you know, pathetic. <laughs> I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, I don't think anything we're saying is crazy or outlandish. It seems like everybody is on the player's side or leaning that, that way, at least, and just right. nobody's on Rob Manfred's side. And if, if it is the case that he's just a messenger, like I said, like, guess I feel bad for him, but I mean, that's the, that's what it comes with the job. Like I would love to be the commissioner of baseball and I assume he makes a ton of money. So yeah. In the, in the, in the greater commissioner rankings, because now silver looks like a saint compared to Manfred, you obviously have to put silver one. I assume now because of the hate for Manfred and Goodell, they're three and four, which means you put Gary Bettman two, which is funny to me because if you follow hockey at all, He's not a very loved guy, but he's just kind of nope. stayed out of everything. So he's number two. Does Manfred officially go to number four as the least liked commissioner behind Roger? I think he I think he does. And that's pretty impressive because a lot of people, especially me, absolutely hate Roger Goodell. So and uh, Manfred's probably a decent guy. I think Roger Goodell's a terrible human being. and He took away my 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 team and fuck you, Roger. But yeah, I think Manfred is <laughs> I think Manfred's the worst. He's he's the distant four. I, I can't I can't put Manfred at four yet, 
I think I am going to have to see what this season looks like, mm-hmm. um, and whether he could it save happens. It. He could save it, right? And and what hiccups come from it? Because because at the end of the day, if they play an entertaining and well run fifty game season with playoffs, that's essentially just ten to twenty five games less than all of these proposals we're looking to do anyway. So if they're able to do a 50-game 50 enter, 50 entertaining season, then I feel like, despite all this hubbub, you know, they, the, the fault will be minimal. Um, but I, again, I just, can't even, I just can't even believe how, how well, how good Adam Silver looks in comparison to, to these other guys. Blasphemous. Yep, I agree. So it'll be interesting. I'm curious what the players are going to have to say about this too, and what their response is, because you know they'll be vocal. They probably already are being vocal. So I'm definitely in, going to be intrigued by, uh, by what they come up with. Episode 7 of The Wannabes in the books for Christian Trent, Nick Alfano. Really appreciate everybody listening. One thing we didn't get to today uh, was everything that's been happening in NASCAR. Just to you know, pick up your phone, look at social media, really moving stuff uh, at Talladega uh, Raceway uh, with Bubba Wallace today. Uh, if you need a, a good pick-me-up after all the news that's come out about Bubba and NASCAR, uh, some good stuff today that happened at the racetrack. Uh, thank you again. For, thank you guys for for listening. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. Um, second on what you said there, Nick. We definitely stand with Bubba Wallace here on the Wannabes podcast. But once again, thank you everyone for listening. As I say every time we release one of these, please go out, follow, like, subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, tell your friends, leave us a voice message on the anchor app we're going to start um, releasing some of the ones we've gotten um, our next week's episode so leave us a message there um, to talk about whatever you want to talk about and once again thank you to tie-dye visions for the uh, sponsorship this week everyone go check them out on instagram tie.die.visions thanks again guys and we will see you next week and they're looking for an intern